I'ma say what I feel And I promise to keep it real Welcome to the Red Room Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerd has got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Rant Room. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Hilliard Guest, and you guys are listening to the Screenwriters Rant Room, where we keep it real, we keep it opinionated, we keep it what, Chris? Black, Black Panther's, Panther's Quest. Quest. We out there trying to support Jeff Thorne and them over there. <laughs> so y'all know how we do it on the Rant Room. On this show, we discuss entertainment, TV, film, music, culture, but our focus is always screenwriting, stories, craft, and shit like that. So Lisa's out, but actually she'll be back in another week or two. I know, I'm shocked. Finally heard from her. Where she was and what she was. <laughs> Our doing. other co-host Lisa kind of disappeared on us. Oh, yeah, you know, he, she was all in Europe, didn't tell nobody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we got my man Chris Derrick in the house, writing director himself, cinephile pimp dog. Yes, <laughs> those things are going my way. Exactly, exactly. So if you guys are grown, let's go ahead and get it to the show. So today. We got Big Bro on the show, the OG himself. <laughs> Look at Derek. Like, oh, that's me. Look at him getting ready. <laughs> He's about to give us some bars or something. Look. <laughs> I don't know about all that. I'm just like, I'm really curious about how the introduction's gonna go. Go south real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Writer, producer, co-exec producer, all of them hyphens up in there. Derek A. Hughes in the house. What's up, D? How you doing, bud? What's up, man? Thanks for uh, letting me come on this show. This is really interesting. Yeah, man, we're going to have fun. You've been asking me for a minute. Yeah, no, so a minute. I was like, let's, let's work out the schedule. And so I'm glad that we finally Oh, yeah, definitely. We, it, it all, I always figure out, you know, because I go through this with lots of other, you know, producers and writers and stuff. We be working. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's yeah. But, but what I found is yeah. when I do get them, it usually works out. The timing's right. Yes. You know, like your episode's about to come up, whatever the fuck. Yes. You know what I mean? Right. It's always something. So yeah. you agree, Chris? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, people come on uh, at just the right time. Who's the one we had at one time? Stacy, Stacy Kaiser. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We came on like I mean, just just before her show was going to premiere, right. and then the guy who did it on the floor before mm-hmm. his, I mean, his, I mean, his show was premiering, mm-hmm. um, and then uh, Stephen Cannell's with Pose right. when that had just so mm-hmm. yeah, it's always a good time to get right. people right at a good time for them. So exactly. Um, so welcome to the show, D. Thank you. So, um, for our listeners, let's go back into your past a little bit. You know, where'd you grow up? Where are you from? Oh, man. I got that the complicated history <laughs> past. Well, not complicated, but it's like too long didn't read past, right? <laughs> um, I was born in Japan, um, uh, you know, son of a military. Uh, my dad was the Air Force. My mom right. was Japanese. So I was mm-hmm. born in Tokyo. So, you know, that's like why I'm de-Blackanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and um, lived around the world because my dad, he was just getting out of Vietnam and uh, met my mom while they're in Japan and mm-hmm. then had me and then we came to the States, lived yeah, in the States. Yeah, but 19, talking about like he, was, like he was growing way back then or something. Bruh. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you. Uh, it's, uh, 
You know, it's like I always say, black don't crack. Look, I got the yeah. best of worlds. Black don't crack. Yellow. I just don't turned forty eight. Exactly. <laughs> I just turned forty seven. It's like that's what I'm talking about. Oh, like that. Uh, Grown folks, you don't know nothing about that, Chris. But at the same time, like I will look this way. I pretty much have looked this way since like my early thirties. Right, but, right. You know, I'll look this way until I'm about sixty-five. Uh-huh. Then I'll shrink down to a little brown Yoda. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll have like a wispy beard. Exactly. And I'll spend some wisdom on uh-huh. the corner <laughs> to all, all any writers. <laughs> you must write like a cloud. You know, it's like what? What is he talking about? Be like water. Exactly. <laughs> Eat like water. Like he doesn't even know what he's saying That's anymore. Um, yeah. So then, uh, then went back to Japan and then the Philippines and then came to California mm-hmm. and then grew up my teenage adolescent years in California, uh, Central California, a little town called Atwater. Shout out to any A town homies. Listening. Where's that? Where's that? Is that Atwater, Northern? California, is about an hour north of Fresno. Oh, okay. It's just thirty minutes south of Modesto. Mm-hmm. It's like right there in the San Joaquin Valley. So kind of in the middle. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. The, the, there was an Air Force base called Castle Air Force. Base oh, okay, there. right. So yeah. it was. The, it so was you a real the, military brat, just like oh, yeah. me. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you know the saving grace of it, it was a small town. Mm-hmm. I say I like the best way I describe it is like if you ever saw that movie Napoleon Dynamite. Oh yeah. It's like that type of small town. Just, just but with more a lot more uh, diversity to okay. it, but okay. still that time because of the military, because right? of the military, right, right. exactly. Uh, but you know, it was like you know, part of the future farmers of America, mm-hmm. you know, and all that. Mm-hmm. It, that type of stuff was in, in part of this uh, high school um, experience. But my first love was uh, track and field. I was really good in track all and right. field. I was ranked top three in Northern California yeah. at one point. I was a hurdler. Um, and I thought like my goal was like the you know running the Olympics. Mm-hmm. But, Carl Lewis cousin, look at him. <laughs> nah, nah, more like Carl Lewis's cousin's next door neighbor. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, see Carl Lewis run by real fast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Carl was crazy, man. Carl was fucking crazy. Yeah, you were you had him in your movie. Oh, no, movie, yeah. Right. And we hung out with him for like about six months before that, and like mm-hmm. a year after that. I mean, he's okay. He's he's crazy. He's the coolest dude. Mm-hmm. He just um, very respectful. Shit about him, him is crazy. I remember, like, first time I, we went to his house up in the Palisades, um, we all got really fucking drunk because he loves to fucking drink. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I mean, like, <clears throat> I think I've maybe passed out from alcohol twice in my life. Damn. <laughs> and I never even drank in my and, life. <laughs> uh, and, and and one of the times was with him. Mm-hmm. But he's like the Flash. Think about it. He runs so fast That's that hilarious. like like Barry Allen can't get drunk. Can't get drunk. <laughs> so Carl Lewis <laughs> ran so run so fast he can't get drunk. But the crazy it's thing like, is, is that like I, I think I fell asleep at like two AM or something like that, just mm-hmm. on a blacked out this time waking up at like six thirty. Hmm. Uh, just rolling out just on the couch, you know. And he's awake and coming back from his run. Coming back. Coming back from his run and making breakfast, everyone. I was like, but motherfucker, you drank more than anybody. <laughs> Jesus. You know how, like, uh, <clears throat> when you have that high metabolism when you're, like, a lot younger? Yeah. Like, you know, you can eat, like, three Big Macs. Yeah. Right. And be straight. And, you know, and be straight and drink all night. And then, but when you start to hit, like, past 35, yes. you just stop working. Right. Yeah. His kept going. I know. That's what it is. I know. It's like, it's like, it's like, it's like, and like how it was he's like a hummingbird. He can't yeah. stop. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> no, no, no. That's so, 
So Modesto out oh, there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Merced, Merced Atwater. Mm-hmm. Then when I graduated, um, because I decided to party more than study, <laughs> I didn't get the scholarship offers that I could have gotten if mm-hmm. I had better grades. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought like, well, I'm damn sure not going to go to junior college because they, I always tell the story of like, there used to be people that used to go to the two year junior college. Mm-hmm. They've been there for five years. Yeah. Sure. And I said like, I can't not, make up their mind. I'm not they the best do. at math, right. but I know that that doesn't work <laughs> for me. So, <laughs> so uh, I was like, I don't want to be that person that stays at home. Then meet somebody, fall mm-hmm. in love, mm-hmm. have kids, and then just be the area manager of some fast food restaurant. Right, right. You know, right. for the next, and, and, and <laughs> you know, lamenting the days of like being like Al Bundy, four touchdowns, you know, in a, in a single game. <laughs> <laughs> Stories like, ah, oh, yeah, I remember I ran track. <laughs> I ran over 10 hurdles backwards, exactly. you know, on ice skates. <laughs> and we didn't even have any ice because we were in the middle of Central California. Right. You know, except for that one snowstorm. You know, they'd be like doing shit like that. I'm like, that, I can't be doing, you know, I had I had bigger dreams, didn't know what exactly what they were. I mean, again, the the Olympics were, you know, that seemed like that was like, okay, mm-hmm. I really wanted to do that. So uh, at the time, my uh, best friend was going into the military and uh, I started figuring, you know what, I'll use the military because they had a GI Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like, I'll, I'll just go in the Air Force. Hmm. Or so I thought, but then I got medically rejected. Really? Yeah, man. You got the vapors, huh? Nah. It's like, here's the thing. It was like, this was before Desert Storm, so mm-hmm. all the branches of the military would be very picky about who they wanted, okay. right? right? So I worked at a little fast food joint called Taco Bell. Maybe you've heard of it. <laughs> okay. and, we don't have those in the project. And, uh, and uh, you know, my story goes, <clears throat> is it is Taco Bell had a policy at that time. If you brought your own cup, you can drink as much soda as you want. Ah. See, I didn't take that as an offer. I took that as a challenge. <laughs> so it was like I wasn't because I was I was I was I was I wasn't I wasn't thirsty. It was, was like sugar high. <laughs> the magical soda fountain said, "Drink me." I said, "Sure." <laughs> challenge accepted. So right. I would slam be slamming back Pepsi's every five minutes. Wow. Now that's all good and handy until you have a physical, you know, a physical down at what's called uh, the MEP Center down in Fresno mm. and my sugar count was so high they thought I was diabetic. Wow. Oh, so I had to go see a urologist and they did the screenings and tests and they said, great news, you're not diabetic. Mm. However, there's something with wrong with your, your kidney. There's a filter that doesn't like filter out amino acids properly or mm. some such nonsense. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like translation, <laughs> I was born with it. I'll die with it in between time. In between that time, it'll never affect me physically, right? So I was like, cool. Then the Air Force said, oh, not so fast. Yeah. It's like, that, that's too much for us. <laughs> so, and reject. We don't have to pay for shit that, for you. They put that, that rejection stamp on the phone, really? like saying, like, medically rejected. So I was like, damn, well, I guess I am going to go to, you know, junior college after all. And hmm. um, so as I was doing that, uh, getting ready to, um, my best friend who was going in the Marines, mm-hmm. his recruiter saw me at a track meet and he said, you ever thought about going into the Marines? And I said, so what, it's not all the same. No, not well, at all. Different well, stuff, well, like, the, the, you know, cause it's like the, I mean, just from the but like yeah. the air force, like, like you have to have like really like good vision. vision. Okay. Like, 
I, I, I think better than 2020 to be a pilot. Yeah. You right. know? Well, that's so, pilots across the board. We, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I think it was more or less that when he heard the story, he said, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. So he took me before a medical review board up in Sacramento, hmm. presented it and saying like, you know, he said, here's, you know, he, we want him <laughs> basically. Right. Mm-hmm. And they gave me a, a medical waiver. Hmm. It was, it was, I think it was, he was more, um, um, motivated to get me in versus the other recruiter right. who kind of because he did the same thing to my brother. My brother had a, what's called a slight curvature, an S curvature of his spine, hmm. and my brother's four years younger than me. When he went in to go into the Air Force, they rejected him as well. It was the same damn recruiter. Really? So I was like, "Oh, you just a lazy ass recruiter." <laughs> it's just the minute that someone says, "Nope, you 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 out," you mm-hmm. know, and so the, this this Marine Corps recruiter he actually fought and, and got me in. Mm-hmm. Now that was good and bad because now all of a sudden, like, holy shit, now I'm going to the Marines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so the few. You might have to go to Paris Island. <laughs> no, no, no. On the, on, the, on the West Coast, you go down to MCRD yeah. San Diego. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you, you trade, you trade uh, sand fleas for, you know, beautiful weather, but. It's still you don't ever get to enjoy he, it. He, he ain't able to enjoy it, you know. <laughs> Especially when you're up in Camp Pendleton right. and you're uh, can we cuss? We allowed it? I was like, I don't know. Like, is this like an apple? Oh yeah, I started off saying it's like, shit like that. Oh okay, all right. I don't know. You know, it's like <laughs> please be yourself. Uh, there's a you know there's a um, a little mountain called Mount Motherfucker. Really? That, oh yeah, and down to Camp Pendleton that you know um, you have the hump that means you don't want to you don't want to run up that motherfucker. No, they, they actually they for punishment they made people run up it. Mm. It was like you're at the base and you had to run all the way up to the top or run as far as you can before right. you fell out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, next thing I knew, I was I was actually in the Marines for the next four years, and then I ran in the Marine Corps track team, trained with and uh, trained there, and it was there where I met my. Um, my coach in college um, at a track meet hmm. and he was asking like, you know, um, when do you get out? And since I was looking to make a, a, you know, a stepping stone, I was like, I knew that I didn't want to make a career out of it. My dad was in the air force for 28 years mm-hmm. and I was like, nah, that ain't for me. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was fortunate enough where I was in boot camp when desert storm started. Mm-hmm. And by the time that I got out, by the time that I went through Marine combat training and my MOS school, it was um, the war had ended, and I was assigned to the first night attack squadron. Uh, um, in the, in the uh, they were called VMFA one twenty one. They were hmm. F eighteen um, Hornets, and they were the, the basically. If you ever saw the um, remember back in the day when the CNN would show the missiles hitting the bunkers and stuff mm-hmm. like that, they mm-hmm. were going firing those missiles. Hmm. So <clears throat> I was assigned to them, but luckily, uh, as, a, as soon as I got out, two weeks later they came back from from Iraq, and mm-hmm. so. I was very fortunate where I missed the war okay. and didn't have to worry about that so much. And then for the next four years, I was with them and went back to Japan twice and went to, we went to Korea and Alaska and different exercises and so forth. And, and while I was there, just, again, thinking like, okay, I can use this as a step stone to get to college. And then when I met the, the, the coach, um, I, got a, I got an early out. So I went to... To Cal State LA here in, oh, okay. here in Southern California. So that's how you got to LA. <clears throat> yeah. Right. And then while I was here in Cal State LA, I ran for the next four years. And 
while there, that's where my sort of like, okay, what else am I going to be doing with my life? And mm-hmm. I was like, I was a uh, foreign language major in international business. Okay. Do you speak Japanese, by the way? Hell no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the thing. I was going to ask, how is your Japanese? I, I don't know any. I, <laughs> like, I, I can, I can I communicate. Used to, I used to speak Japanese all the way until I was about five, six years old okay. growing up. But most of my friends spoke English, so then, you know, you, you just, if you don't apply it, right. you lose it, right? right? It's like something that the retention is just not there. Mm-hmm. However, that being said, the first time when I was lost in Japan, it all came flooding back. I was, <laughs> I was in Tokyo looking for my mom. I took the bullet train up uh, from the base um, in southern Japan up to Tokyo. I was looking for my mom, and I got lost. Because hmm. my mom, she's like a f- five. Five one, five two, Japanese, mm-hmm. tiny Japanese lady mm-hmm. in a sea of tiny Japanese people, <laughs> and I couldn't find her, so I didn't know where to look. I didn't know where to begin, and uh, you know, it was like by following directions and stuff like that. The, um, sort of like it was survival instincts that kicked in. Where all of a sudden I was remembering Japanese. It'll come back to you <laughs> if you learn it from a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a kid, it's like trauma yeah. brings yeah, it back. Exactly. Yeah. Trauma survival. Yeah. Yeah. Like Hitler survival. If I don't, you know, if I can't find my mom, I'm, I'm pretty shit out of luck. <laughs> you ain't gonna make it. Uh, I'll just be hopping that train back, heading back to the base. That's the only right. thing I could do. So, um, mom, I found my mom. But <laughs> from there, while I was stationed in Japan, I uh, was like, oh, you know. Maybe I'll I'll come back and I'll teach hmm. or I'll get involved in some business and all that. As soon as I got into school, I was I grew bored with it. I was just like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> like I was like, I, it was one you learn. You know, even if you're learning Japanese in the classroom setting, if you don't take it out and apply it outside the classroom, right. it's very hard to again sort of retain. Okay. Um, it's not like, uh, like I did four years of Spanish when I was in high school. I still remember my Spanish, uh, you know, it's like French, German, because it's all sort of like derived from like Latin, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we mm-hmm. all sort of like to have that sort of we could trace back with mm-hmm. the language. So I, Japanese is just an entirely different language altogether. <laughs> and so you know, even then I was just like, okay, I'll, um, I'm going to move on. What you doing? Getting a picture of you. Getting a picture. Well, yeah. <laughs> This is a podcast. There ain't no pictures. Yeah, <laughs> like, we better we to record like, video. It was like, there's words. <laughs> hold on. Okay, so basically, okay, so this is the interesting yeah. thing about what you said. I, this is so so yeah. diverging, but because yeah. I love languages and yeah. I feel like um, you're right. The thing about French and German and Italian and Spanish, but mm-hmm. I know fr- French and German pretty mm-hmm. well, is that we hear that stuff. All the time, even mm-hmm. in English, we'll pick up a word here or there. You might see it. Someone might say something like "kraut" or something mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and you might see. And the language is written the same. Yeah. But Japanese, you almost never hear someone say "konnichiwa" or anything shit mm-hmm. like "Mr. Fucking." Konnichiwa, around. motherfucker. You know. <laughs> and, and, and then and then it, and, and then when it's written, you fucking never see it written. Mm. And that's the main thing that really kind of like. Is the drawing thing with any languages when mm-hmm. you see it written like Chinese, like, yeah. Japanese, Korean? I mean, any, any of the like different languages that aren't again those European based or you know. I think the, um, the the interesting thing is once you begin to actually immerse yourself in it, it is. And if you already know how to speak another language or you've been, it's it's. Somewhat easier to get into these, in, but you have to apply yourself. Yeah, mm-hmm. you do. I'm a lazy motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? It's like I apply myself only so much, and then right. I'm just like, ah, oh, no, I'm gonna move on. Especially again, where it was like, if it's nothing that's, 
I, I grew up on anime, mm-hmm. you know, manga, drawings. I was like an artist, and so I love that. And that's where that was where I learned Japanese early on when I was a kid. And and so you know, I'd be able to like recognize and read some of the characters and and stuff. But now, I'm like, no, well, <laughs> it's, it's all dubbed. It's all you know. I, yeah, I, I, I well, I, I will admit, I'm I'm still much more of a purist. I rather read uh, subtitles than dub. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, and we'll we'll jump ahead. Um, the last show that I was on it was called Black Samurai, and mm-hmm. it's uh, we, we were developing it with stars <clears throat> and starred Common and RZA and the Wu Tang were producers on it with right. Jerry Bruckheimer, and we were having we were planning on if the show went forward to shoot in Japan. Really? And so I had busted out all my Japanese books, mm-hmm. how to speak Japanese in ninety days, mm-hmm. and, and I started <laughs> and I started actually writing again. And I can actually write the characters. I like I know all the characters except for Kanji, which is the most complex. But there's over five thousand plus characters right, right. in there. Um, but the katakana and the hiragana, I can write. I can read, and it, it was surprisingly it came it came back. It mm. was like less than ninety days, mm. you know. It's, but again, it's so. But it's now actually applying it, learning sentences, learning you know sentence yeah. structures, all that stuff. Different tenses, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like the, the tenses, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's like nah, that's not happening today. <laughs> you know, it was like <laughs> it was like, and then once the show you know didn't go forward and moved on, I was just like. Uh, I still have the books, but I don't. It's gonna have, come back. Something's like, gonna come yeah, back. Something's gonna, gonna come back. back. Yeah. I think one of the things was then that was when I was in when, in college when I got bored with it. Mm-hmm. I realized I didn't like the classroom curriculum. I didn't like the class. I didn't like the pressure of that. And I said, if I need to, if I want to just learn on my own and take my time, mm-hmm. and someday, someday down the road, I'll be confident. And I'll, I'll do that. But yeah, it's like when you're pressured. And, and you need to learn, and you got the homework. And it's hard. It's no, hard. Real hard. It's really I mean, hard. It's, I mean, I yeah. remember when I was in school and um, in college, and I was taking German because I took in, took German in French high school, and I and I I took French since I was in actually elementary school, but I was thinking erroneously that I would try Russian too. Hmm. Oh boy. And then I was mm. like, I just can't wrap my head around the the the, the character set. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was like, fuck. Like, and I just and in school and it's too much. And I was already learning doing German too. And I was like, I just I don't want to do it. The pressure was too much. I was like, if I could learn it on my own, my own pace, it would be cool. Because you know, I have a big interest in in Russian literature and stuff like that in mm. Russian cinema. Mm. So that's the thing that's outside of just Pushkin. learning it. Pushkin, all yeah. that kind of stuff, you yeah. know, uh, Dostoevsky. I mean, I mean, so that stuff. Like, Told you, you got a cinephile over here, didn't So, so that's the stuff that, that you know. To, again, like outside of the pressure, like that is what you know, like um, keeps you interested. Is, mm-hmm. is there some other application, some other way that you want to use it? You know? Right, right. That's the main reason why I learned German is that I had this this strange fascination with like the Third Reich when I was in in junior high and high school and then I went and I was like why do these motherfuckers like follow this guy Hitler so, like what was he saying that was mm-hmm. too, it was just like swaying them you know and then later when I went to Germany um, in high school I was like ah now I get it mm. now I get it but it I was wish, also, I wish more people would yeah, <laughs> but, but, but to me it was something that wasn't just classroom it yeah. was just outside knowledge and if you just do yeah. it for classroom it becomes well. Then why do I want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean, look. I'm, I'm definitely love learning. I love discovering new things. But 
at the same time, I think it's like on my own timetable, right? It's right. like that's that's where it is. Like if I'm pressured, I think it's it's just I feel like it's it's homework. Right. I'm grown. I don't need to do homework. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so. So you said you went to an, another college. You finally went to a, no, no. I went to Cal State LA. Right. And then while I was so, how did you finally LA, get into writing? So how well, did all this what, jump what, it, what had happened <clears throat> was right. Um, I was still focused on track but at the same time i uh was getting bored with am i moving too far uh, yeah, this yeah. way is, what this is mike on this no side. it's not it's, it's, not, side it's, it's, it's a side mic it's a side mic yeah. then what the never mind we get into that later <laughs> i'm just like this is some false some advertising some exactly um so my uh, best friend he was going to usc mm-hmm. and he was going to film and television uh classes there school and I would help him on a couple of different projects. Okay. And then and one day he said, you have a lot of natural talent. Hmm. He's like, you, you really do. And he's like, you sh- but you just don't have the technical knowledge. Mm-hmm. You know, you should think about taking a class or something like that. And storytelling is, like I said, grew up on comics, mm-hmm. manga. Um, if you're an avid like reader, you kind of start to understand it too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And right. and and you know, my 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 goal, my other goal besides running the Olympics was when I was a kid was I wanted to write and draw for Marvel Comics. Oh, okay, good. You mm-hmm. know, my dream was like to live in New York, mm-hmm. write for Marvel. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, 80, like if you kid in the eighties, you would write. You would love Marvel Comics in the eighties. Yeah, right? that was like the best time period yes. for those comics. The yes, best time absolutely. Period. And uh, so I actually drew drew comics with my friend. We we had our own little comic book company, hmm. and I was the artist, was writer. He was the editor in chief. He was also the artist. I was hmm. an inker, letterer. You yeah. know, it was like, oh yeah, we like made these little comics, and then we go to the little uh, corner store where the coffee machine was, <laughs> make them, and then sell them for like ten cents. That's hilarious to our parents because no to one else parents. would buy them. Because <laughs> no one else would buy them, right? <laughs> Uh, long story short, though, uh, it's like what's funny is now my friend who I grew up when we were drawing comics together, he is now actually the editor in chief of a comic book company. Oh, cool, awesome! And and so it's you like the doctor Chris, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris, and, uh, Chris is making a cool ass comic right now. Is he? Yeah. yeah. So so yeah, that was that was so when when he said that, I said, you know what, uh, I I was always thinking about. And I was just living in Los Angeles, right, mm-hmm. in Southern California, you can't help but trip over and meet somebody that right. works in this business. Right. And I was always fascinated and interested in how screenplays work. I wanted to know more. Now, this is b- days before Google. <laughs> 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 you know, this is uh, mid-90s, right? right, right. So... Um, this is when everybody was selling them million dollar scripts and shit every, yeah, every five man. minutes. Fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember M. Night Shyamalan when he sold, uh, what was it, Unbreakable? Right. It was like, because it was after Sixth Sense, and I think he sold Unbreakable, it was like for four mil or something like that. Everybody's like, what? That <laughs> um, some Shane Black shit right there. Yes, right? Yeah. yeah. And <clears throat> so on a whim, I took a screenwriting course, mm-hmm. and the professor said the exact same thing as my best friend. She said, You have so much natural talent. I really think you're wasting your time hmm. with your major. You should really think about switching your major. Hmm. Now, at that time, because I had already been out in the real world, being in the military, mm-hmm. I was telling most of my, my peers, my classmates who were rushing trying to graduate, you know, it was like, take your time, man, because the real world sucks. <laughs> like, enjoy college. This right. is nice. So about two and a half years in, almost three years, I switched my major over to film and television. Hmm. 
And sure enough, it was my my love and understanding for it was in such in such a way where my GPA went from you know I was like doing two six two seven mm-hmm. to three six, hmm. and I was like. Oh, all those endless hours of watching television and film, I can actually not only apply right, it, right. but possibly pursue a career in it. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what I did. I was like, I just, I, you know, I, I kept, um, kept working, writing, but again, still wanting to try to make it to the Olympics. So mm-hmm. after college, uh, after I finished running, I like... Uh, trained with a professional track team here hmm. in Southern California, and then we were all training to base to you know for the uh, get ready for the Olympics in mm-hmm. 2000. And uh, in a race, I blew out my hamstring, Ooh. and it was like uh, it was the year that the U.S. trials were happening, and it was a race, and I blew out my hamstring. And at that point in time, that's when I re- made the decision because I just realized I was like, okay. I'm training here for these past four years, and now I'm going to have to train for another four years. And what people didn't understand, a lot of people still don't understand, is that even if you say that you're a professional athlete in track mm-hmm. and field, that doesn't mean shit. Right. It's like you're still an amateur athlete. Right. It's like only the point zero zero three percent at that point in time, and maybe even less now, you like get sponsorships. Mm-hmm. So you know, if you if you didn't have a job, <laughs> you, you, hmm. you needed to work to mm-hmm. basically survive. So you needed a job, I should say. And what did you run? What was your thing? A one ten meter high hurdles. Oh, that's right. You didn't. Mention yeah. That. Okay. And so <clears throat> I um. I was like, all right, I think it's time for me to, as I tell people, I decided to pursue something uh, less painful physically. Mm-hmm. And that's what I threw myself into into writing. But that being said, I was also, um, I, I realized that if I'm going to actually write, I need to learn how this business works. Mm-hmm. And there's only so much you can do in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And so I started as a PA over on the Paramount lot. Smart. Mm-hmm. Working there, and then working as a runner for di- different production companies, yeah. uh, and then on a, in a chance encounter back when you could deliver scripts and shit, right? Yeah, <laughs> now you don't do that. No yeah, they would send you. You know what's funny? Yeah, like the messenger would come. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. send a messenger. You got to come knock at your door. Yeah, like, <laughs> all right, scripts come. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Oh man. I and then, yeah. No. Ah. Have, have a little book called the Thomas Guide. Remember yes. that? Because yes. you get your ass get lost in Los Angeles real quick, and then you also begin to know this is before Waze, before right. all you spoil people use Waze out there. Uh, it was. <laughs> you had a little book, a, a big book. ass book called the Thomas Guy, yes. and you, you like you had to get an ad. You had to get to a certain address by a certain point in time with a with a script. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, your ass is fired, and, and you got to go to several of them, man. So you got to mouth, especially, you know? especially like if you worked for like a network. Like right. at one point, I worked for a, at over at MTV, and mm-hmm. it wasn't. I had to deliver um, videotapes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like, you know, what are those? It was for the kids? <laughs> little videotapes. VHSs. VHSs. Um, not CDs. No DVDs. Bulky ass videotapes and right. brown manila envelopes. Yes. <laughs> um, and driving all over LA, being mad as fuck that you can't find a person's house because they decide to play, live in a place that doesn't have an address. Right. You know? <laughs> see up in the hills, Especially man, at you, night. If you up in the hills where you Bruh. that you can't see the address, the streets kind of like the, like the turns mm-hmm. you think right. it's out. Especially in Palisades. And now you're right. on another street, all of a sudden it's like, when did that happen? And, and, and then you can't, 
back it up, you know, mm-hmm. and then you got to look at the guide. And, and the worst thing is, is that if you got to change pages, it's not the next page that's <laughs> no. It's like you got to yeah, go to right. like 10 gotta, pages over right. or some shit. Go, where's the G, jump? G3 <laughs> to, to the H7. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, there's a fucked up guide. <laughs> no, there ain't no guide. And everybody read. There's always uh-huh. mm-hmm. you know, It's always a civil story. Actors, like, writers, everybody. everybody. Um, and so, um, oh, yeah, there was one time when I got lost in the palaces. I had to deliver this damn package at 11 o'clock at night. To a VP, and I'm up there in the Palisades. I'm just w- driving around, getting lost, <laughs> getting low on gas, <laughs> and you know, <laughs> again, it's like I ain't got no cell phone. Right? Oh yeah, you can't call nobody. You might have a pager. Motorola two way pager. And then uh, just and realizing like I'm never gonna find this place. <laughs> All the kids are like, what are they talking about? Yeah, and, 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 and like at eleven o'clock at night, I'm so mad at this person. I'm like, they ain't even gonna watch this shit. <laughs> Not tonight. <laughs> Not tonight because right. they instructed to like leave it out on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. So that means you're gonna get in the morning, right? I can get up early in the morning and get it to you, but here I am, eleven thirty, eleven o'clock, eleven almost midnight now, <laughs> trying to find your fucking house. Right. <laughs> it's just like they make. This is how people quit. This is how also they, this is how they weed out people mm-hmm. though. Yeah, as my uh, one of my friends said, it's that like, haze and shit, ain't it? It's that, it's that <laughs> hazing, but it. it's it's it how, how bad you want it. Right. You got to You got to you know pay your dues. You really got to mm-hmm. pay your dues. Um, so on a chance encounter, there used to be um. Every uh, once a month, every weekend, over at the shrine, used to be a uh, LA Comic Con. What's up? Oh, yes, please. Thank you. Um, and um, my best friend and I decided to go to this comic convention mm-hmm. because they were showing a trailer for a little movie called X Men. <laughs> What's that? I don't know. This is this old, old Turner classic movie, as I call it. Right? <laughs> black and white and Black shit. and white. Robert Osborne was giving yeah, a little exactly. breakdown on it. <laughs> Cary Grant <laughs> as, 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 as Wolverine. Starring Hugh Beaumont <laughs> exactly. as the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Yul Brenner as uh, Charles Xavier. That shit would have been cool. That <laughs> We used to cast like back in the eighties. We used to cast like who were we? Yul yeah, Brenner was the man. Unmistakable. I mean, that you can't place his accent. Right. But you know, mm-hmm. it's like Central European. He would have played him darker, but it would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was like when I was a kid and we cast we used to cast X Men. We would be like Yul Brenner, Clint Eastwood as Wolverine. Oh, interesting. It yeah. was like yeah, it was. Uh, I forgot who was Cyclops at that point in time. But <laughs> uh, you you do that like we. You know, what movie, you know, yeah. like, what comic book would you cast yeah. and stuff? Like, <laughs> Jackie uh, Brown. Exactly. And Storm. <laughs> <laughs> she could have done it, man. Totally. Shit. No, I think it was Grace Jones. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. Grace Jones with the Mohawk. Yes. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, the Mohawk after yeah, Because she had been a Commander Destroyer and mm-hmm. you had seen that she could kind of mm-hmm. like hold her and on. And then that was the whole during the uh, when she was uh, uh, fucking with the Morlocks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 in, yeah, yeah. In, in the underground, yeah, and then she became yeah. the leader of the Morlocks and mm-hmm. shit. That was like, oh yeah, that's Grace Jones. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that's <funny. laughs> um, and then, uh, so yeah, I was there. This this trailer. My best friend and I went to go there, and then while we're wa- we're we're on the second on the on the second floor of the shrine, <clears throat> and we're leaning over the balcony, and it's crowded as fuck, and mm. I'm 
keep bumping into this guy, and 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 finally, it's like, okay, we either going to fight or we going to talk, <laughs> and decided to talk. And as luck would have it, it's like he's a very dear friend of mine now. Mm-hmm. And um, at that point in time, he had just moved out here to L.A. to mm-hmm. start working on a new show as a writer, as a staff writer, mm-hmm. uh, show. And uh, his name's Ashley Miller, and mm-hmm. and and I was like, when I found out he's a writer, I was like, oh, I did that thing that. Somewhat frowned upon, but also it's like, hey, I'm a writer too. But you when know, you don't know, like, then you don't sometimes know. Sometimes the innocence helps you. Uh huh. You know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I had been working on some screenplays at that point in time. Mm-hmm. And so I said, would you mind reading something of mine mm-hmm. when you get a chance? Mm-hmm. And he was kind enough. He was like, yeah, email it and I'll read it. And he actually did. Mm-hmm. And we met over uh, <laughs> dinner. In Studio City, and, and over dinner, he sat down with me, and he said, look, I read your script. Aside from all the fucked up errors in it, right? Because <laughs> let me put it this way. I wrote this screenplay. I wrote it not in Final Draft. Right. I wrote it on in Word. My, in Word. Shit, right. You know, it was like, because following the tabs, you know, oh, setting the that tabs. Bullshit. Again, that bullshit. it's like, some of y'all don't understand how easy you got it, man. I know, that easy as fuck. Like, now. setting the, the font and the tab space for every fucking little piece of shit. Jesus, Jesus. So I'm, I, but I did, I wrote the whole thing like in italics, all the dialogue oh, wow, in italics, right, right. you know, and I thought I was being fancy, and, you know. <laughs> like, I'm going to give it my own yeah, look. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and like, it's, you know, seven blocks of paragraphs, mm-hmm. and just, you know, and, and then with him. Too with, much black the on the page. Much, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. right? Um, but but when he when he read it, he said, okay, I see no reason why you can't make it in this business. Mm. And then he he offered some advice, and he then he unofficially became my mentor for the next couple of like mm, years, just, okay. and became one of my best friends. And um, but at, at the point in time, since uh, his his the writer's office was right down the street from where we were having dinner, he took me over there, and really? I walked in. Yeah, it was a, he was writing on a show called Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. Oh yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And it was starring Kevin Sorbo, mm-hmm. Space Fantasy. Mm-hmm. It was really cool. I mean, mm-hmm. action adventure. You know, was that sci-fi? Uh, it was, was, was that? sci-fi. Right. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it was in that space fantasy. It's sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a um, syndicated show mm-hmm. on Tribune. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, Keith Hamilton. Keith Hamilton. Yes, that's Tier Anasazi. Yes, I know. And Alexa Doig. We had him on the show. Oh yeah. Is he here in L.A.? No, he's back in New York. Oh, okay. He's focused on Shakespeare and shit. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that was, he was Shakespearean in the yeah. show, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brother was definitely Shakespearean. <laughs> Tiana Sazi was no joke. Exactly. But it was created by my friend, uh, my friend uh, Robert Wolf, mm-hmm. who was my boss. Um, after, uh, when I walked into that writer's room, he came in and I looked around and he, you know, he showed me how an episode is broken and it was just well, like, they really let cool. the, well, it was way back then. They wouldn't let you do that shit now, but oh, they yeah. let you come in the room. Oh, yeah, now yeah. it's like rules and shit. Oh, you can't yeah. bring you exactly. in. Exactly. Well, no, you know, you still, some people can still bring people in the rooms mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think it's just more like, don't tweet the shit. <laughs> don't take pictures. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, but I got the, I got the sense of like, Oh, this is how the magic is made. Hmm. And I was like, okay. And one of the other things he said to me, which was really sort of important, was because as much as I wanted to be a a screenwriter, Mm -hmm. he said, if you want to have a career as a writer, write television. Mm -hmm. And I said, 
that was the smartest bit of advice that he right. gave me because uh, I was like, okay. I, <laughs> I think we all started writing features first and then we moved yeah, into the interview. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, so it was, the, after I got a taste of that, I was like, okay, how do I, you know, really, oh, and he also gave me like uh, some books and how not to uh, to fuck up my tabs. <laughs> like <laughs> Format books. And yeah, there's a great book. Uh, it's called How Not to Write a Screenplay. Right, I remember that one. By Danny mm-hmm. Flynn, right? And that and then in the first couple of pages, it shows you how, if you're writing in Microsoft Word, how, how to basically set it up, set yeah, it up yeah. properly. Well, yeah, because I, I, yeah. I think, you know, I was telling someone the other day, you know, like, why there's certain things that are done certain ways. And, mm-hmm. I, and, and this is something that you may or may not know, but the reason why they use Courier as a font it's because it's a model space font mm-hmm. so it doesn't oh, okay. it doesn't matter which character you use it takes it it tells it takes up the same amount of space mm-hmm. on the line That's whereas, yeah. whereas most other it'll move it you move it around yeah, and it's interesting because the, that way the kerning the kerning yeah, yeah. yeah so you're sitting around like thinking about like how to change the spacing on a on, on a on, if, if, if you want to take like like it's two lines and then one word of the next line you can sit around and say oh because it's there's five spaces in this word that, that if I could take out, take it out, bring out which, the two, it, it could bring it. I mean, right. it's crazy that you could do, and that's why. Which which pisses me off because you, Chris got me on that Courier Prime, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. the John August yeah. came up with, yeah, and and some sometimes I'll start writing my script and I'll forget that it's not in Courier Prime, so I'll go back and put it in Courier Prime and it moves it all over the place. I'm like, this is not. Because I'm very anal about how it looks <laughs> on the page. I want that last line to end at the All bottom. Right, let, me, let me let me ask you let me ask you this: double space or single space? After I'm a you single appear? space dude. I'm single space. Yes, I am too. And it drives me crazy because, like, on show that on shows where they're double space, double space yeah. I'm like, why are we doing this? Right. We don't need to do this, this ten anymore. Years ago. <laughs> we're not in the we're not in the dark ages. Exactly. We can move out of it. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, see, again, like, like again, like that's you know, because for a long time, like I used to do copy editing. I did copy mm-hmm. editing for the New York Times and stuff like yeah. that. And it's like. It has to, I mean, like that's one of those things. That's like a convention that comes from when you're actually in a typewriter. You add a typewriter, yes. and, and you, or, or or in that when you got to put together, like you know, you, yep. when you're putting those, those lines, yeah, the, you have to do that. Yeah. you have to know to do that. You yeah, know? it's just like it's just like now, like if people the dashes are people going to do mm-hmm. double dash, single dash, yeah. end dash, you know, in, in dash. What are you, mm-hmm. like, what are you doing? You yeah, because people mm-hmm. don't do that. And yeah, so there's just I, I I don't know. I, I mean, like I can't stand. Uh, the double space after the period. I'm just like, yeah. oh, that's a waste. Yeah, I feel it too. You, you fucking, that's just a waste. <laughs> exactly. You wasting my time. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, we have to do it on some shows, uh, <clears throat> and you know, that's that's how it is. <laughs> uh, but you know, getting back to the whole thing was um, so. After after that, with with Ash mm-hmm. having that experience, and so you got a fire under your fire, and 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 <clears throat> we met like every once a week over wow. dinner. Even though he was on the show, he's even on the show, we, we met for dinner, mm-hmm. and then we just talked about writing and. Now that's a mentor. Like that. I like that. That's great. And then became became friends from there. Mm-hmm. And and then it's about six months later, he calls me up. He says, "What do you you know?" I was working over at I think I was working at VH1 at that time. I was mm-hmm. uh, working in post as a uh, a video logger. Hmm. That yeah, was what it is. man. <laughs> it was a, yeah, it was a it was a reality show called Bands on the Run. Oh, okay. I, I think remember it, that. I, show. I, 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 <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think that was the one and and but uh, uh, he calls me up and he says, "Hey, um the writer's assistant on my show is 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 leaving. Hmm. I think you have a really good shot 
of getting the job if you come in and interview for it. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, cool, I'll, I'll do that. And I, I went in, and I always tell people this, like, to this day, it was like the most intimidating interview I've ever been <laughs> a part of my adult life, where I walk in, and it's now my really good friend, the showrunner, Robert Wolf, mm-hmm. and the entire writing staff sitting like in chairs and almost like you're auditioning right yeah, <laughs> sitting, the, you know the single chair sitting and facing them like a like a tribunal like, like a tribunal right it was like that. some star yeah. chamber yeah, yeah, yeah it was like, some star oh, chamber oh, oh, I was oh, like oh, I was like oh, where are the ropes right. He's like, everybody yeah, has yeah. To, everybody has to get along with that yeah which is like yeah and so uh so you know, I met with them and uh, and ended up getting the job. Awesome. And so, and that was so important for the you know where I am to this day is because in that short period of time of just working on that show, my writing went from here. Mm-hmm. As people can't see what I'm doing, but you know, it right. it jumped up. It was just the 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 grasp of knowledge from the bottom to the, the top. top, top to the bottom. Yeah, right. I mean, I had a I had a lot more to learn. <laughs> but it was during that time where you know I just learned so much about television writing right. and, and how to break stories. Because mm-hmm. Robert, you know, he came from uh, the school of Roddenberry himself. Because mm-hmm. he wrote, you know, he he like his first story and script that he wrote, which was a favorite of mine. It was called Fistful of Datas for Star Trek Next Generation. Mm-hmm. And he wrote that, and then he was. Um, after that, he you know he became a writer producer on Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, mm-hmm. and and he was just you know he's been he's a, he's an incredible writer, and mm-hmm. so to learn from him, but also to learn from you know sort of the the school that that everybody came from Gene Roddenberry that mm-hmm. you know they have, you know there's some writers that came from like was it uh, Stephen J. Cannell right, right? right. and and. Uh, um, I'm trying to think Who's of some of the other died? ones. The guy who just died. Steven. I'm going to get Boschko. Yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, there's probably like 10, 20 guys who like. Because I was on City of Angels. Who have this crazy, you know, and it's kind of like Sean Ryan now in a sense. Like there's these guys who who make it their. John Wells. Yeah, their mission to not only tell good stories for the audience. But to teach everyone who works with them how. Right. Is done. Yeah, you know, and like, and it's 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 crazy. There's only a few guys to do that. It's you know, there needs to be more. I mean, I I th- you know, I, I think what's his name is like that. Uh, John Rogers, the guy that we oh. had. Oh yeah, oh, John. John, 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 yeah. John is John's fantastic. Yeah, love John. He's the yeah. shit. Yeah, he's the shit. Um, John Rogers is great. There's yeah. There's when you talk to him, I keep forgetting. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I became a writer's assistant, and it was there that I actually during that time met my writing partner, and hmm. we've been writing together now almost seventeen years. Really? Eighteen? Yeah, it's been. It's been were been they an assistant too, or what no, no, no? My writing partner actually came. He's he's he got his start at Marvel Comics hmm. in New York. Uh, he was an um, an intern there, and or worked in the digital department. I mean, his story is, is it's really cool and he just been eventually became like a freelance writer mm-hmm. and then he was writing for different uh books for Marvel and then uh, uh he was an assistant editor and and I'm jumping all over the place Wait, I remember. Is it Ben <clears throat> Rab? Yeah. Who is that? I miss it. I know him. He went to Michigan with me. Yes. Who yeah. is it? Yeah. He's uh he's kind of writer. His name. He's, oh, his name is Ben Rab. B R A A B. Benjamin Rab. Yeah, right. yeah. He's uh he wrote he wrote a, a, a lot of amazing comics. A mm-hmm. lot of really cool, really cool stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he was yeah. your writing partner. Yeah. I ran into mm-hmm. him. 
Uh, several times in the last maybe 10 or 15 years, but most recently, Golden Apple about like a year and a half ago. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's Ben. Yeah. So Always at the comics, though. <laughs> well, that's what we met. We, I mean, it's like we call it our geek cute. Right. And, you know, because, you know, when you go into your meetings and you're like, how'd you two meet? And you have to tell the, your right. story, right? right? So Ben and I met in the comic store because there was a book that I loved. It was called Planetary. Warren Ellis. Yes, yep. sir. And so... Um, the uh, book was running late because <laughs> back in the day, that's when a lot of books mm-hmm. were running late. And this book was particularly late. my favorite artist, John Cassidy, awesome. who's awesome. a very uh, um, and now he's a, he's a good friend of mine. Thanks mm-hmm. to Ben. And it was um, then where I was blaming John. It was John's fault. I was like mm-hmm. these lazy fucking artists. <laughs> <laughs> They're never on time because it was a bunch <clears throat> of different artists in the early 2000s, late 90s, that would always be sort of late books. Mm-hmm. You know, every now and then you hear these stories and for different reasons. What's his name, uh, Travis Charest? Travis Charest, you know him? Uh, no. What book did he do? He does covers, and he did some of the covers for, uh, I, I, he's, he's... Yeah, I know who guys. you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah. he's one of those guys that... Yeah. But, but his work is amazing. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. And, and, and he actually doesn't even do monthly books anymore because he can't keep the schedule. Yeah, there's 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 a few artists that were like that where you're just like <clears> waiting <throat> on books. And this one in particular is waiting like six months, right, for Planetary. But it's Planetary. So went down there, it's supposed to be coming out because books come out every Wednesday. Right. Race down there, it's not there. <laughs> so I'm fucking like, I'm pissed. I'm like, these lazy artists, never on time. I'm the angry fanboy in the comic book store, basically, uh, you know, pissing on, on, on this artist. Ben is quietly perusing the shelves, and he makes it a policy not to engage with Angry mm, fanboys, right, right? Or just fanboys in general. He's just like he's just like he's just, he just knows. Okay, this you know this is be, again this is before Twitter, <laughs> you know before you know right. any sort of social media. You couldn't voice uh, it out anywhere. Right. Out. Well, you, there, there were like chat boards and stuff right. yeah, like that. Yeah, know? yeah. It's like because Orrin Ellis actually was mm-hmm. you know bad signal or something like that, like that yeah. with a lot of uh, writers and fans and stuff. Um, so. Mm. Ben's in there and he's debating whether or not to say something. Finally, he has to say something. He goes, no, you're absolutely wrong. It's not the artist's fault. Um, it's actually Warren Ellis. He hmm. hasn't you know, delivered the script yet. John has been, John is done. He's been just been waiting. Hmm. And I was like, how do you know this? He goes, well, John <laughs> happens to be one of my best friends. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's actually... You know, he was one of the groomsmen at my wedding, stuff for my wedding. And I'm like, oh, okay. It's just like, yeah, like, and you are. And he goes, oh, my name's Ben Rab. And I'm like, Ben, that name sounds so familiar, Ben Hmm. Rab. And and then the comic book store, Cat, it was this uh, comic book store. It's still in the valley. It's called DJ's Universal. Uh, Cat goes, this is Ben Rab. He wrote this book, this book, this book. You know, I was like, looked at him. I was like, man. I always thought you were like an older white fat dude <laughs> with a beard, you know, because growing up in the 80s, that's that's what the archetypes right. were like yeah. these, you know, the George R. R. Martins, mm-hmm. right? The doughy white dudes mm-hmm. with, the, with the beards and that's all the pictures you saw. Right. And my, you know, Ben here was like looking like a rock star. Mm. I was like, I didn't know you can, you can be a comic writer looking like you. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> as luck would have it, he and his wife, uh, they had just moved out here from New York, and he, it was like he was looking to make the transition into uh, television and film. Hmm. So when he found out what I did, we sat down and over lunch, 
exact same restaurant where Ash and I actually oh, sat down okay. in hmm. Studio City. Hmm. It was right there. Right, right. Um, and uh, you just started talking about stuff, and we discovered we had so many things in common, hmm. right down to our birthdays being three days apart. Hmm. It was just that we, okay, obviously we should, you know, mm-hmm. talk about Try working to together, doing something together. But, you know, the first thing we were doing, like, was a screenplay, doing this. Robert offered, he said, hey, look, when you guys are ready, come up with some ideas and come in and pitch them, pitch them, pitch them okay. and uh, maybe get a freelance episode mm-hmm. out of it. My, Back when they like did that. freelancers for the kids yeah. out there. Who don't know. Yeah, yeah, what a freelance episode is. Like some show like shows know, actually like still do. Them, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so so we came up with some ideas. We're like, cool, we, we got this. Mm-hmm. It's like we got we had came up with eight ideas and we were like, Yeah, we're gonna sell one of these. <laughs> the day we go in to bitch them, Robert got fired from the show. Wow. And we were like, fuck. I love these stories. Yes, <laughs> we were yes. like, what the hell are we going to do? And so <laughs> we were like, all right, well, you know, if we're going to be serious about this, then we're going to have to get representation. And in order for us to get representation, that means we're going to have to write something. Mm-hmm. Or if we're just write something, we got to write something good. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we were like, you know, write what you know. And the first spec that we wrote was actually a Smallville. Mm, okay. And this was, I think it was between season one and two of Smallville. Mm-hmm. And we wrote Smallville, and that got us our first manager. And then we wrote an alias, and that got us our first agent mm. uh, and lawyer. And then after that, as I say, we were off to the races. Mm-hmm. We were just like trying to staff every year, mm-hmm. try, you know, we kept writing. Uh, so how many years was it before from eight, the time you guys eight met years my friend what it took us eight years to break into television I love those stories um, oh yeah no I'm shit a, ain't easy I'm a firm believer it's all about the 10 year overnight right. success story right you know right. it's only starting to happen for us right now <laughs> exactly. as a matter of fact I mean we've been writing almost 10 years now and, wow. well no actually it's been 10 years like this yeah this this month it was like 10 years since we so you've been pretty so, consistent then since you've been working mm-hmm. that's good yeah but I mean but before that it was like it took us eight years to break in so in that mm-hmm. be, that time we actually created a, a comic book series mm-hmm. wrote for another comic book series um and then uh we um yeah it was like uh we had a comic book series like it was a mini series it was called uh living in infamy hmm about a witness protection program for reformed supervillains living in a small town in Arizona. <laughs> That's a good show. Shit. <laughs> yeah, you're telling us. So uh, we actually, yeah, we, 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 we got some things in the works on that. Awesome, um, awesome. But the, uh, it was uh, John Cassidy did the cover for issue one. Hmm. It was, he's a great mm, Yeah, artist. it was. It was he's, he's one of these guys who, I don't know. How to, there was a book he did called Desperados. Uh, this Western that he did. Mm-hmm. Just fucking amazing. Because he's kind of known for doing a lot of sci-fi. And when he right. did this book, I think it was Jeff Marriott, I think is the author or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, fuck, man. Like, this guy can like do anything. Yeah. <laughs> His work is so good. It's like, he's got kind of a feel of like those guys from like the mid 50s. So kind of like, you know, he's it's, mm. it's kind of like a Frank Frazetta yeah. style or something like yeah. that. So that it, looks looks vin- it looks vintage, vintage too. Yeah. It looks yeah. dope. You yeah. know, uh, <clears throat> like all those guys. Um, and this was yeah. the cover for Tim Sale did the cover for issue four. Mm. He's great too. Nice. Yeah. Tim's great too. Yeah. And then Chris Bocello did the. He's another great wow. guy. You got all the people yeah. who just yeah. do the work for yeah. you. Yeah. Like, Y'all legit. Then Howard Chaykin did the cover for. 
Jacob, yeah, she man. too. Fuck. He, for the listeners, he's showing us a couple different uh, yeah. covers of his his uh, American his flag, man. Awesome. Jesus, yeah. yeah. Jesus. So yeah, it was like it was funny because uh, the way that I got chicken to do a cover, uh, Howard, I was uh, he was next door on Andromeda, and I became friends with him because he was running a show called Mutant X. Mm, I remember that. One. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he was the showrunner for that. So I went over and I used to just sit there and talk to him, and he was just really cool. And so that when we started putting together a and we reached out to these artists. We were, I was like, Let's see if we can get Howard and asked him. And he was like, Yeah, absolutely. And you know what I love? <clears throat> One of the, it, it, it's, it's a thing that happened in our room. You know, Rick, Rick Remender is our, you know, yeah. creator of the show. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he, he likes to draw. He'd literally be sitting there. We'd all be talking at, on the writer's room. Yeah. And he'd be drawing. You know, he's always drawing like a face. Yeah. For some reason. It's always a face. Yeah. Like different ways of doing it. Yeah. And he'd be drawing on a face and he'd be like, Oh, what if yada yada yada? He was just like that mm-hmm. good, right? Mm-hmm. And by three, maybe about a month and a half in, I noticed everybody else started futzing around. <laughs> I mean, the whole room would be in there just scribbling. <laughs> some shit, it's funny. Everybody just started taking on that little thing that he did. You That's know? amazing. So funny. Well, I mean, look, it's like we is your your mind wanders, or mm-hmm. it's like, or you're just getting distracted. So that's why you have those little fit bidgets. Right. What are they called? Those Little, little things you could twirl fidgets, on your fingers. Or, I don't fucking around with this. Talking about, I don't know what to call. Like, like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Man. Not <laughs> Fitbits because that, that's a different thing. That I know you like, talking about. You know what I'm talking about? Little gadget yeah. things and stuff. So yeah, there's a you know there was the uh, there's there's a store now over here in the um, in um, in Sherman Oaks in the mm-hmm. mall. It's like sort of like the Marble Brain store, but it's another okay. new store, and so they have a lot of these like brain mm-hmm. games and teasers and little mm-hmm. gadgets and stuff. Like I picked a bunch of them up and for the uh, writers' room now, and because again, you're just sitting there and you're just you, you, is you're working and fiddling with stuff, you know, your mind or right. you're doodling, right. or we have actually coloring books. Like you know, like so my, just, my, the showrunner Mick Betancourt would take his ring off yeah. and just fiddle his ring. He'd just make it like yeah. twirl, uh-huh. and I kept going. I need to get him a little something to play with. He's just always messing well, with see, that damn. See, you know, okay, because that's something I like to do. It's like I I found that if you're doing something physical like that, it kind of like focuses your brain. So your brain's doing two different things at the same time. Hmm. You know, and so it's kind of like it kind of helps you. Um, it helps you think creatively because you're doing something physically. At, you know, a lot of times I sit down with like a Rubik's cube, mm-hmm. or I've got those like I've got those Chinese balls, the two balls I just like spin around in my hand, like thinking about. And there's that noise that makes this just kind of like because I'm not. It's there's something that it does. I can't remember what it is, but it's something that like oh, like Furious and uh, Boys in the Hood. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah, exactly yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, exactly like that. And yeah. you're kind of like okay, and, and because your hands doing something. Sometimes when I, when I was younger, I used to take shit apart, and mm-hmm. and 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 all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there's the idea, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's uh, I, I don't know. I I think more people should do that because if but you they're paying they, attention at the same time. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. You know oh, yeah. I mean? well, yeah, because because it's it becomes so. Um, it looks like they're being hella rude though. But they're not. They're not. No, it's <laughs> like you've got, you've come to discover, especially with, you know, in the writers' room, mm-hmm. it's like people have their their sort of their process, right? right? And and their, their work. Because like for me, I'm like either fidgeting with stuff or I'm like I have you know the habit of of looking at my cell phone. Oh, you guys but, have your phones in yeah, your room? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but even when I'm looking at the phone, I'm still paying. I'm, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. 
and then you know it's like some some of the writers like one of the writers was like I thought you were just ignoring me but then you come up with these ideas mm, right, you know and right. it's like so I just understand your process and some mm. people do that and other people don't and and so it it's whatever you're just sort of like it helps your mind sort of like find its sort of own mm-hmm. groove and rhythm mm-hmm. and that's it, it's like you have to you just understand that some people work you know I mean everybody works differently in that everybody that's, totally uh, so <laughs> yeah it, it's like but definitely our, our table in the writer's room is, is littered with all different sorts of stuff and like I said you know now there's coloring books People just sitting there just coloring <laughs> as we're breaking story. I got wow. my crew of crown out. My, it's the crew of 64. We get this shit done right. We get this shit done. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's like, you know, um, I, I can't remember what, why he used to do this, but I know that when Miles Davis would play concerts, he'd always, he, a lot of times he would turn his back to the crowd. Right, I remember you know, that. They, and they would be upset because they're like, you're not engaging with us. He's like, I'm not trying to engage with you that way. I'm trying to like, you know, play the music because like so, <laughs> that—that's what you want to be here. Right. For. You know, you're yeah. distracting me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not for you to for me to actually see you. Yeah. It's for you to hear me, and you could close your eyes and wouldn't know if I was turning around or not. You'd be good. Um, it's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. It is all about process. Yeah. I think a lot of times that's what you have to get really comfortable with is that when you're in these situations with collaborating with people, um, everyone is going to do their own thing, mm-hmm. and and. And you got to let them do that and be comfortable with ev- with whatever they're doing that helps, you know, unless they're really fucking up. But, you know, but you have to do that because right. that's how you get, like every, like you said, like that the, the they get in their groove. Yeah. And that calls, and, and, and if everyone can be in sync, in either story sync, doing their own thing, that's when you get the best right. shit, you know? Yeah. Um, Derek, so, because yep. um, I don't want to keep you too long. But uh, I do want to talk about like how you guys finally broke in, and then you know let's talk about a couple of different shows you've been on, and you know maybe some some experiences you had, you know like as you've worked your way up that you've learned some game we can give to the kids, you know shit like that. Always be writing. That's the that's mm-hmm. the first thing my my mentor is saying. If you, you write every day, every day, you know if you're not writing something, you're reading something. Right. And the and the third most important lesson I and I impart this all the time to like people that ask me about writing and stuff and. Whether they want to hear it or not, <laughs> just uh, the, the the those two are important. But the most important, the third lesson: finish things. That you know, right. there's like you. There are so many people that you run into, like, oh, you know, what happened that screenplay? Well, I've been working on it for two years. Why are you working <laughs> on a screenplay for two damn years? <laughs> I kind of don't have no respect nine for nobody. Pages. Years. I kind of have no respect exactly. For them. I <laughs> there's you know the, there's a great book uh, Stephen King wrote called On Writing mm-hmm. and it, it talks about if you wrote a page a day in 365 days you'd have a book right. that's double spaced <laughs> 14 <laughs> point font it's mm-hmm. like you know it, it just uh, even even uh, two spaces after the period <laughs> <laughs> and you'd have you know right. you'd have a book right. and then that's uh, and that's I think that was the the, the, the first lesson there was again is like just finish it it yeah. doesn't it doesn't matter how good or great that no one you know very few can write that first draft right. and be you know magnificent right Maybe it's like on a, like on one hand you can count the number of people that can do that type of thing, mm-hmm. right? But I'm not else. sure. If, I'm not sure if there's anyone who would do that. I mean, people. I no, because I think people, people polish while they're while yeah, they're writing or yeah. rewrite while they're writing. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I was reading this thing with um, William Gibson does the fucking craziest thing I've ever heard anybody do. He fucking rereads the whole manuscript before he, like every day. 
Every day He was saying I get up and I just I mean he He can skim it But he right. gets up And re-reads the whole thing Just to, just to keep He keeps it on his head mm-hmm. And he's like Okay so and, and he keeps writing again And I was like Fuck man that's, But you know But, that, but that, that's his that's process That's his process yeah. You know And I yeah. was like And he was like Yeah it seems like a lot But it's like Okay, he's a fast reader. He's not, I mean, he knows the stories. Right. So he's reading it differently, but it's like. Yeah, you're looking for different things. Yeah. And you're, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're sort of editing yourself as you're looking at it and you're making notes and then you go on. And I think it's the same way. Like once we finish a draft of a script or, you know, we go over it, you read it and then, you know, it's like, okay, we'll put it down. And then we'll come back the next day and look at it again. Mm-hmm. And then you can see different things that you want to make or change or, yeah. you know, adjust and stuff like that. Now, when you're working in television, you know, the breakneck speed that we work, it's like you don't have that luxury no. or time. And see, it's, I, always, I always tell everybody about, you know, one of the things you should be working on, especially if you're coming from film to TV, mm-hmm. you need to be working on your speed. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> People don't realize, yes. you know, literally... You have to write a script. You yes. have seven days, maybe, maybe, depending on the show. Maybe you know I mean? seven days. We had to write ours in like four because of the, the, the process changed somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's about Try having two that. or three you sometimes. Feel me? But yeah. you need to be testing yourself now. Absolutely. It's a you muscle. Know? It's right. a muscle. It's a ex- it is just like Carl Lewis right. getting, you know, I mean, running. Right. He, it was like the reason why he ran fast was because he was running every single every day, day, training every day. Every every day. day. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with writing. That's why I say write every day. But mm-hmm. to also understand, like, television is unforgiving. Mm-hmm. Like, once that monster is awake, you got to feed it pages. <laughs> That's, right. That's all that monster wants is pages. <laughs> and if you don't feed the monster pages, right. everything is fucked up. Right. And so you have to know how to write fast and write good. Right. It's like so, but when you're writing on your own, just write, just write it. You got but, an but, idea, but pretend like you have to turn it in. Yeah, you know what I mean, whatever. Give give yourself a deadline. Right, right. Don't give yourself a two year deadline to write no. fifty five pages. <laughs> That's some bullshit. That's right? some bullshit. <laughs> you know what? Just quit. Just, just, be, <laughs> just do something else. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> if you're listening to me right now, and it's taking you two years to write fifty five pages. I'm telling you right now, you need to think about something else. <laughs> I mean, look, you need to, I mean, see, that's the thing that people don't get is that sometimes that's a question that people ask you to fuck with you. Mm-hmm. You come to a meeting, someone reads something, they're going to ask you how long it take you to write this. Mm-hmm. And if you give them some number that seems fucked up, right. I mean, it's, it's more than six months on a screenplay, mm-hmm. it's more than maybe a month and a half, two months on a pilot, you know, they might be like, no. Yeah, you suspect. You know, I mean, and they're not telling you that, but they're like, if it took you two years, I mean, then you say you write a pilot. No, maybe yeah. you, if you're writing a feature, maybe because you might have to do research and everything like that, mm-hmm. even other shit. But it, but you still say to yourself, yeah, some grand world bu- yeah, world but, building but see, but, tentpole but, 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 but movie, even maybe. Like this, <laughs> even if you did take two years to do, let's just say you're writing a feature, mm-hmm. you might say to yourself, I didn't spend every day doing that. You know, well, I'm going to assume you didn't spend every day yeah. to get that but see, so, so you, should, you should say to yourself, huh, maybe I just wrote on weekends. Mm-hmm. So if it's just weekends, yeah. you know, I mean, just wrote a, I mean, yeah. like, no, yeah, just no, be, I, you're absolutely sure, right, right. If, I, if I just wrote on weekends and it took me like a year to do this, mm-hmm. then it's really only 52 weekends, which is right. what, you know, that's 100 days. 100 days is three months. So, mm-hmm. you, so you should say, it took me over three months to write this screenplay. Because in reality, if you get a job, then they give you the money where you don't have to do anything else but write. Mm-hmm. So you got to be comfortable being able to write 
like consistently eight hours a day every day till your shit is done. You can't mm-hmm. be spending like three hours or an hour because then you'll never get it done. And then you'd be like, oh, yeah. oh we can't trust you to do anything anymore. And then you right. can get no more right. work. You can't be doing like fade in. Well, I'm done. That was good. That was good. <laughs> that, was, that was good work. I'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> I'm with exterior. I wrote a paragraph. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Jim so walks in and grabs a drink. Oh, hell oh, no. That, that, I'm spinning gold <laughs> now. <laughs> so what yeah. ended up being the first gig and, and then what, uh, It was uh, actually the Writers on the Verge, NBC Universal's Writer on the oh, Verge Oh, you guys program. got in that. Okay. We got in that. That mm-hmm. was, at that point in what time. Script? What script did you? It, we wrote a Rescue Me. Right. It was a show on FX starring Dennis Leary, mm-hmm. and we wrote this. We wrote this before that, and it was that was the one that sort of turned the corner because we had written a lot of different specs before right. that, um, and that one was the one that actually started getting us meetings. And we got a meeting uh, with an executive. Her name's Erica Kinnear. Oh, no, Erica. Mm-hmm. Yep. And at that point in time, she was over at NBC, right. and she said, "Have you guys thought about applying for the Writers on the Verge program?" Mm-hmm. And we said, "We absolutely have," because every year we would apply to all the different programs, right. and every year we get the rejections. I love to hear these stories. And so mm-hmm. that year, we—it <laughs> was funny. My writing partner came to me and said, "Look, man, been doing this for a minute." Ain't nothing happening. If nothing happens after this year, I really got to start thinking about because he had a, he has a family. Mm. He's like, I got to start thinking about some other alternatives. Right. You know, getting a job, doing something because mm-hmm. this you know this this might be the end of it. Right. So He's like, I might have to go back to comics. And do- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he was already he was still doing like okay. somewhat uh, doing some comics. He was doing like uh, the Phantom for Moonstone right. and. Um, and, stuff. and so we said, "All right, let's let's do our hail mary. We'll we'll apply to all the different programs." And mm-hmm. and then when Erica had suggested we do that, when we we ended up applying to four different programs, we ended up getting accepted to three of them. Really? And and yeah, we and we, and, and, and we picked and choose, and we <clears throat> and we heard how great the Writers on the Verge program was. Mm-hmm. And because and when we did, it was like Erica said when she read our script, she said. You guys should already be working in the business. Mm-hmm. I don't see why you're not. And I think it's like what the writer, the reason why it's called Writers on the Verge is because they select people that they feel that should be working in the right. business or are just on the verge that's of it. That's what she told me when I met her. That's funny. Yeah. Why is she trying to use the same shit on me? She yeah, yeah. And, and I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we, um, out of <clears throat> 600 uh, scripts that were submitted, they only pick eight writers. Right. So we were one of the eight that got uh, selected. Mm-hmm. Five weeks, it's a 10 week program. Five weeks into that program, we got staffed on our first show. Oh, really? Warehouse 13. Mm. And oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Did you did a couple different Warehouse 13 things, didn't you? Did Warehouse. On, on your iTunes, I mean, on your um, IMDb, IMDb, there's a couple different. Things. Yeah, no, we were we were in Warehouse 13 from season one to the end of the show, oh, that's all, all five all right. seasons. Right. But then we also were the producers of the the web series, that's two, different, what it was. two different web series, okay. and we oversaw the production of the comic book that uh, for uh, Dynamite Comics. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Um, so you guys got to work your way up on one particular show. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, okay. we went from staff writers to producers. Wow! And it was our our showrunner great guy uh, named Jack Kenny mm-hmm. and he was the one that gave us a break it was Jack Kenny and David Simpkins and then it was Tom Lieber who was the uh, he was a, a VP over at, at Sci-Fi and mm-hmm. uh, he really fought for us to get on the show and okay. and it was again five weeks in the program but we were having such a great time on the program because it was so it was so in, <clears throat> uh, educational mm-hmm. and that since we were right there on the lot in the Universal lot our op- the writer's office for for Warehouse 13 was there. 
the Writers on the Verge classes were there. Mm -hmm. So, and it was on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. Right after work, we'd go back over to the okay. to the to the Writers on the Verge because mm. we wanted to finish it out, mm. and that was really helpful. Um, yeah, so we were there for the next five seasons wow. we were working on that show, and uh, learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, learned a lot, but it was also the what you learn is like having a good showrunner and a good mentor. Mm -hmm. You you know that encourages their writers to grow and and it was like you know as a staff writers we you know we went up to set and because we shot in toronto mm. so you guys so got to produce to go, got to you know produce our own episodes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and it Some was uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh and and uh you know it, it was like also a non-toxic environment That's in important. the in the writer's room mm -hmm. right and, and it was very like it, he set the tone at the very you know very first day he said I don't care about rank and title. You respect rank and title in mm -hmm. here, but it's like that I'm here for ideas. If you, none of you give me any ideas, I will go out to the security guard out there at the front <laughs> desk and get an idea from I like him. That's right. And so it, it really sort of like allowed us to be able to contribute. Mm -hmm. Because there's some places that were the, the the notion is if you're a staff writer you shut the fuck up right. you sit there you don't say anything right. and if they call upon you or anything like that but that's like kind of like that's some of, it's backwards thinking totally. and where like I hired you because you had you obviously have good ideas mm -hmm. I need you to help me push this rock up the hill right. so therefore don't sit there like a you know quiet mouse. Mm -hmm. Speak, you know, <laughs> contribute, <laughs> give me something, mm -hmm. and that's what we we're able to do. Yeah. So we we're able. You know, to that's the same that thing that what's his name always says, um, Clint Mazzara. Mm -hmm. He's like, if I oh, hire, Glenn's, if Glenn's I, great. If I hire you, you gotta. I mean, I can't have you just sitting there, right? You know, <clears> you, <throat> like say say anything, and like you said, like mm -hmm. respective rank. You know, like don't be stepping on people's. You know, don't overstep people when they're talking stuff like that, but. Or, and understand people who have more experience than you. Yeah, I mean, but the yeah. thing is, if you're in the room. It's because I need you to be able to tell me something. Right. And it might just be one small thing. You've been talking all day. Oh, by the way, if you guys did this and changed this, then this might work better. Boom. You're here for you know, a reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because if not, that's like wasted money. If you're not, a, if you can't really just be. Right. And the thing about being creative is that the ideas are just going to come. Right, and they just come, and you're like, "Oh, I want to tell someone." Mm -hmm. And so you write it down. If you, you know, if you not, if you gotta do the rank thing, but everyone needs to know, at least from my experience, let people contribute. Because if they don't want to contribute, then it's like I don't need to give you money and sit around. Why? Yeah. Why exactly. are you here? Like, you just what, yeah. like, what are you doing? I mean, like, you know, I mean, they fight over budgets all the time, and it's like if I'm not paying you, like. Whatever it is, I can put that money on screen somewhere. I can hire yeah. a different actor. I can do whatever. Absolutely. I can buy some different soundtrack. <clears throat> so work. You're here. Work. You earned it. You. This is why you're here. This is why you've been hired. You know. Yeah. It's like so yeah. now continue to prove that you're worth. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. the hire. Um, and for me, I, I, I'll never forget. One morning early on on Warehouse 13, I'm just I stepped out of the writers' room and I went back to my office to grab something. And then I walked back, and I stopped just outside the door, and I'm hearing all the writers in there talking and stuff. Mm. And I, it hit me like a ton of bricks because I had been a writer assistant on two different shows. Mm -hmm. The other show that I was on was, was, uh, was Twilight Zone. Oh, was, yeah. Yeah, it was actually uh, shot. New, it was shot at uh, Rally. Rally. Okay. I mean, uh, it was uh, the writers' offices, but then yeah, with Forrest Whitaker. Mm -hmm. Now there's a new Twilight Zone, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was like Forrest Whitaker was the host of that one. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I was a writer assistant on on that. And then um, I was a, a junior agent at a lit agency for oh, really? a little bit. Yeah, so okay. I, I learned that side of the business. That's interesting. And then again, just working in post and mm-hmm. all this, you know. All these See, all that does is those. get you ready to be Getting running your show to me. So I'm sitting outside right. the writer's room and I'm hearing everybody speak. And I take a moment because I look at the, the writer's assistant at mm-hmm. their desk outside, and, mm-hmm. you know, and I said, this is normally where I would be. Mm-hmm. And now you're at and the table. And I stepped inside the room, and I sat at the table. Right. And I realized, like, no, this is where I need to be. This right. is why I'm here. Right. You know? And it was such a great sort of, val- you know, sort of like a, a personal validation of, like, I oh, had, okay. I was telling Chris, <clears throat> I had an interesting thing happen to me um, about a month into the show. I know you got to get going. Well, I um, got two hours on that damn okay, meter, okay, I get you. you know. <laughs> I was sitting there in the show. I was sitting there on the show. Yeah. Uh, we were all around a room, and there were a couple of like older, like smart, you know, writers mm-hmm. philosophizing about fucking politics or whatever. Right. And I started shrinking in the room because that's not my shit, right. right? And I started, I started getting that, um, that what's that complex I call it? Imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome, yep. right? Yep. I started feeling like I was in a room, feeling that. Yeah. And I literally, like, for like five minutes, I zoned out. Yeah. Right. And. I look down at the table and I see the comic book. Mm-hmm. And it's open on a page of a character named Maude Steven, mm-hmm. who every time Rick talks, he says, that's Hilliard, that's Hilliard, mm. right? And I look down at the page and I see it and I look at them and I'm going, oh, nobody else was even there during that time. I was. I lived in the city. Mm-hmm. I was at the punk rock scene. Uh-huh. I was watching Bad Brains on concert. And I right, went, right. oh, shit, that's my superpower. Yeah. And I like wasn't even thinking about it in that type no. of way. And I was like, oh, and it, it was the same type of thing. And I look yeah. around the room, and I see the assistant, and I see the showrunner, and I went, yeah, 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 yeah. Fuck, I don't, they can talk all they want to. Exactly. When they talk about this shit, I got that. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. And it was that's, one of those moments. And look, it never goes, imposter syndrome never goes away. Right. I'm still waiting for that other shoe to drop. Like, oh, <laughs> shit. And I'm a co-EP on the show, right? And I'm like, oh, shit, they about to find out. Like, like, like what the hell, we made a mistake, right. you know? Right. It's like, that, that never goes away fraud. as an artist. Right. Straight right. fraud. <laughs> <laughs> I got to just keep it, keep it hidden and shit. Yeah, yeah Derek, Derek posted a, um, a cool little tweet the other day about about uh, uh, John Wesley Ship. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Yeah, so, John Wesley Ship, the, 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 the person that I grew up with in the 90s. It was mm-hmm. like the Flash, the original Flash, the OG Flash, as I call it, <laughs> uh, from 1990, 91. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he... Um, was Barry Allen on The Flash, for mm-hmm. those that know, and he had this awesome suit. Mm-hmm. It was just, like, so muscular. It was like, damn. <laughs> he still looks good. Like, he still, still looks good. good. Well, yeah. that's the thing. He, right. he, he actually got, he got into shape and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, um, got prepared for this. Right. And so when he walked on set, um, seeing him in that, you know, the, the, they, they replicated, the, I mean, they, you know, they, they recreated that suit. Okay. And, and it was... Uh, because the old suit, he was telling the stories about how they put a sealant on it to make hmm. it so it wouldn't sweat. Oh, really? <laughs> so yeah, and it was really heavy and cumbersome, and it was just buckets of sweat that would come out at the end of the day. Oh, and just like yeah, so um, he keeps his ass lean. Though, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, and and it was just 1990s. You right. know, now it's right. like. The, the wardrobe technology that mm-hmm. exists today is <laughs> like all light, a lot, light. Yeah, he's like a much happier person. Uh-huh. Uh, but it was incredible, like seeing that walking out and just saying, like, "Wow, never in a million years would I ever imagine that the you know 
someone that I grew up watching and just loving that show that not only, uh, you know, am I working with him, but he's wearing that exact suit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, you know, and now I'm a part of this as well. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that was just, just really cool. Mm-hmm. It's, it's going to be a fun crossover. Uh, like right. this year, it's like, you know, I was like, texting a friend the other day I was like oh you know what's going on I was like oh I'm just up here hanging out with Superman Flash Arrow <laughs> Batwoman Wait, so no, no big deal right, you know right. it's like that so John Wesley Ship he plays Barry's father he played Barry's fa- father he did play Barry's father, father in the first couple of seasons of the, of, the, of the Flash right mm-hmm. then spoiler alert it's like his father went away you know mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll spare people for maybe who still might have watched the show yet but he um, then he came back as another character mm-hmm. the, the, the right. original Flash Jay, Jay Garrick, Garrick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, from okay. a different earth yes okay. and then he and then so the whole thing is like because the multiverse exists Barry Allen's dad existed at Jerry, Jay Garrick okay. on this case in Earth 3 mm-hmm. uh, and then he went away mm-hmm. and now we're having the fun of like actually having Barry Allen from the 90s TV show oh that's what you're doing that's different it's the DC right. multiverse the, 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 yeah. yeah okay I see I there's see. an easter egg moment the first time that Barry Allen in the uh, played by Grant Gustin in, in the in the new um, series The Flash um, as he's running between worlds you're seeing all these different images and one of the images you see is actually John Wesley Shipp as the original Flash mm. TV show. It was just an Easter egg. Like in Crisis 7, you know, when he's uh-huh. running back, going back mm-hmm. yeah. and he sees, oh, shit, see, oh, you, shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, shit, oh, shit, yeah. oh, shit. Yeah, and so that's, uh, that's what we're, that's, that's the fun that we're doing right. this time. Is, that's awesome. Is that, you know, so... So you got Cats to go, out the back. So yeah, so, so show I got, go, well, I helped uh, with the with the crossover episodes this year. Mm-hmm. Me and my writing partner, and, and being a part of that because now we're on Arrow because we were on Flash mm-hmm. a year ago, right. and this year with the big crossover, we got to help out. We got to help out introduce Batwoman, um, and with uh, with the the, sh- the showrunner Caroline Dries, mm-hmm. uh, who's uh, fantastic, and Ruby Rose, who's Batwoman. Mm-hmm. So I was actually on set Wait a when Ruby I saw. Rose is Batwoman? Bruh, let me tell you, it's huh, like oh, Colleen, <laughs> Colleen Atwood d- d- designed the suit. Oh, and ooh, it looks like ooh. it is by far the best comic book the screen translation yeah. suit that I've seen. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, actually the director Bam, he um. He posted a picture. Let me see where it is this morning. And uh, so did Supergirl, Melissa Benoist. Uh, let's see here. Um, bam. <laughs> I mean. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Let me see. Wow. James, James Bamford. Yes. Yeah. So wow. people people can so, look that up? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's on Instagram. Really, James see, Bamford. That's a really bam good. Like yeah. like you said, that's a yeah. really good yeah. version mm-hmm. of it. Wow. It's like it lo- like l- came right off the comic book. Mm-hmm. Like wow, JG Jones. Mm-hmm. It's like so. Um, that's Bam. That's the designer. Yeah, that's no, no. That's the director. director. Oh, okay, got. It. Yeah, he's our director on Arrow, <clears throat> and he's directing the crossover right. episode. Uh, it's yeah. So it's 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 been fun. I mm-hmm. mean, you're just sitting there, uh, Eric Wallace. Uh-huh. Who's uh, mm-hmm. EP on the Flash? Mm-hmm. So we're up there on set together because I was like, because hey, because the Flash. Because you guys coincide, right? Uh huh. Okay. It was like, uh, well, you know, Eric came from like Eureka on mm-hmm. Sci-Fi, mm-hmm. 
Um, and so it's great to see, you know, when he came over the flash, he, now he's now EP on the flash right. and, um, it's, we were up there at the same time because he was overseeing the, the crossovers for the flash. Right. I was up there seeing, overseeing the crossovers for arrow. Mm-hmm. And then another one of our friends writers, he's overseeing the crossovers for, uh, for the Supergirl part because they're, oh, they're shooting simultaneously, and right. this is all while we're still actually all every every show is still shooting the regular episodes. So I was also up there prepping and getting ready for my next episode that my writing partner <laughs> wow. and I wrote, and yeah, so and working with that director. Right. So. This is all the time I was like, "D, come on the show." He's like, "Bitch, like, I, no, got man, I, got I got shit to do. I got shit to do." Yeah, don't, yeah, don't uh, worry about Mike. So wow. yeah, it's it, but it's but it's been great. I mean, yeah. this is like again having these sort of childhood experiences come right. to life, larger than life, right? Hey, and it's in a genre you love. I mean, you yes. just can't even do that. Yeah. Well, see, to, yeah. to me, that's the thing I I love about the DC stuff on TV is that they do such a really really good job of just like bringing the tone of what those comics are. I mean, yes, they definitely take their liberties because they have to, mm-hmm. but it still feels more in line about like what you expect those you know mm-hmm. those heroes to be on right. screen and everything like that you know i mean yeah. it's just it's it's that's one thing that i've i have enjoyed about watching those shows they mm-hmm. just it, like you said it's a kid and you're like damn it feels like see it feels like those it feels like the comics from the 80s yes whenever you do it yeah, you know yeah. just like fuck man like you know, I wish they did that with the movies. Oh, the look, DC I mean, Greg were... Berlanti also, you mm-hmm. know, who oversees all of this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Greg Berlanti, the showmaker, right? <laughs> man, man got like 16 shows on the air. Him and Ryan and Murphy be competing like and shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think Greg got beat. <laughs> I'm, I'm generalizing. It's like, yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> but it's like his love for this mm-hmm. is is definitely, right. you know, it, it's really infused with mm-hmm. this. Mark Guggenheim, it's, uh, you know, again, Eric Wallace on Helbing. It's there's so, there's so many other people there's like that, but yeah, right. Greg being like the the sort of architect and mm-hmm. the person who's really sort of like, hey, let's do this, let's push it this way, and yeah. and but at the same time, the one thing that you know, again, you but you're, you're you know, they're saying like experiences and learning stuff, especially on working with Greg. He has a uh, you know three three word three words motto to keep in mind when you're working on stories: heart, humor, spectacle. Mm. And it's like you can have all the spectacle in the world, but if it doesn't have the heart, mm. it doesn't matter. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't have the humor, and it's like again, it's like it it doesn't matter. It's mm-hmm. like heart first, humor, then spectacle I like last. That. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's, a, that's it, good. It, it, that's it, game it, for y'all out there. That's yeah. game. I like yeah. that. We're gonna have to have you back on, um, of course, later on. Do, I was gonna say how, gonna to, how how, how gonna, draconian are they with these when it comes to ticketing around here? Uh, They're pretty draconian. I, yeah, I'll let you go. I'll let you okay. go right now. Yeah, um, I, but I, I was just gonna say I want to have you back on and let's talk some craft shit. You know? Yeah. No. I look like I feel like I don't. I don't know if I talked at all. <laughs> it's like I, mean, I feel like I talked. <laughs> but we lot, just heard. But, we heard much of your journey. Yeah. So now I want to. Next time we have you on, we'll talk some yeah. craft shit. Yeah. We we'll get into scripts and things that writers could be doing. To, you know, to make themselves stand out and yeah. You know, look, the room. I, you know these you know? these podcasts are amazing. Like right. John John August podcast. Mm-hmm. Like you know I didn't have podcasts weren't around when I was right. first starting out. Right. right. But yeah. they did. There was the websites like it was even iPads. Like John said. John Rogers used mm-hmm. to have a really great blog. Blog site, yeah. Jane Espenson, yeah. John August again, Terry, mm-hmm. uh, Ted Elliott, Terry Rossio. Oh, Those were all this mm-hmm. sort of like lifebloods of right. like where you just read it. And then there's so many books and there's so many videos. So masterclass, do the Aaron Sorkin masterclass mm-hmm. is like really great. You mm-hmm. know, there's like so much information. There's a glut of information. There's no reason why 
people cannot learn this craft and understand how this works. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's and what you guys are doing great. So thank you, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. So where you at on? Uh, if people follow you, where you at? At D, D Black and Ease on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> D Black and Ease. Yep. That's hilarious. <laughs> where you at, Chris? I'm at um, Unauthorized CBD mm-hmm. on Instagram and Twitter. All right. And I'm your host, Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Hilliard Guest. You guys can follow the show, Screenwriters RR on Twitter. Any questions, ScreenwritersRentRoom at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, whatever you guys listen to. Um, please um, give us a five-star review. Um, share it. Uh, download it, all that other bullshit. Um, <laughs> please go on our new what, Chris? Our new Patreon page. Yes. Check it out. The, the um, a link will be in the show notes. Of course. And uh, there it is. Yes, sir. And uh, we're also on Facebook and all that shit. Um, so, yeah, man, thanks again, D. We no, appreciate thank having you. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun. You out there doing great shit. And, uh, you know, you one of the people I know a lot of people respect. So it's, 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 it means a lot to have you on the show. And um, we're going to have you back for sure. Sounds great. Yeah, definitely. Thanks. Um, so join with me, Chris. So y'all know how we're doing on the rant room. On the show, we keep it real. We keep it opinionated. We keep it what, everybody? Black, Black Panther's, Panther's Quest. Quest. Peace, y'all. I'm going to say what I feel. And I promise to keep it real. Welcome to the rant room. Well, you gotta be a rider Till your fears are diminishing The doubts are behind ya It's hard to grind And the business got me stressed In the rent room We let that shit up off our chest You know the street nerds Got no time for no caca Sass in class Yes, that's Mr. Bolakaja Never have to guess When you're listening to Hilliard He gon' bring more game Than a shark playing billiards It's all about the crap of screenwriting It's exciting when you turn an outline Into something enlightening Your pen and words Are like bullets in a gun Write what you feel Say what you want Welcome to the Red Room. Red Room. Red Room.